I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun, for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, folks. Brian here with a quick announcement before Rob's show. We have been sort of um, holding back some episodes to try and bridge the gap between now and opening day. And then the coronavirus epidemic hit big. And so Rob talks about opening day coming soon and things like that. And we just don't know. So I just wanted to put this announcement out there to say that Rob is aware of what's happening. And uh, we're not making light of the situation at all. This was recorded before everything sort of changed. And so uh, we're bringing this episode to you today because we're just trying to, you know, put it out there. But don't think that we were being flip or anything about the situation we're taking it obviously very seriously that said enjoy the show thanks guys Welcome to episode number 35 of Unfermettable, where we take a look at some of the less heralded myths in our beloved franchise's quirky history, as every player who dons the orange and blue is, in their own way, unformettable. Welcome back. We've been pacing it out a little during the off-season, but getting ready to ramp it up again for an exciting, hopefully, new season of Mets baseball. Today I'm actually going to take a look at an incredibly heralded baseball player who had a very brief and unfortunately unheralded time with the Mets, as is far too often the case with the Metropolitans, is the acquisition of veterans, big names who don't entirely work out, or at least don't work out for our organization. But 
wanted to take a look at the late Tony Fernandez today, who passed away tragically a few weeks ago after a long struggle with kidney disease at the age of 57. He had struggled with the malady over the last few years of his life, waiting in vain for a kidney transplant. He, of course, had a quite a storied and impressive Major League Baseball career, a few futile months of which were spent with the New York Mets. Octavio Antonio Fernandez Castro, Tony Fernandez for short, obviously, was born June 30th, 1962 in San Pedro de Macorís in the Dominican Republic. I remember as a kid in the 80s, the announcers always referring to it as a cradle of shortstops, and it is in fact a small town home to dozens of major leaguers who proceeded and followed in Tony Fernandez's footsteps, uh, including Sammy Sosa, Alfonso Soriano, and our currently own Robinson Cano. Fernandez played in the majors from 1983 through to 2001 for seven teams, primarily, of course, for the Toronto Blue Jays. He was signed as an undrafted free agent in 1979, so basically as soon as he turned 17. Signing practices seem sketchy enough now in the Latin American countries, I can only imagine, back in 1979. But fortunately for Tony Fernandez, he was one of the ones who made it into a productive major league career. By the time he was 19, he had actually made a brief appearance at the end of that season at AAA. And by the age of 20, he was at Triple A for good and Triple A Syracuse for then the Toronto Blue Jays, currently the location of our Triple A franchise. And Fernandez started displaying the speed, the glove, and the slashing hitting ability and great batting eye that would soon become his hallmarks as a major leaguer. As in two full seasons in AAA, Fernandez walked 99 times, struck out only 58 times. He made his Major League debut as a September call-up in 1983 on September 2nd, pinch running, scoring a run. He got his first start in his fourth Major League game on September 10th, 1983, and recorded his first hit, a double down the right field line off of A's starter Tim Conroy. Fernandez actually got a decent bit of playing time in September for a young, promising Blue Jays team that was well above 500, 78 and 66 at the time of his call-up, but really well off the pace of the division lead with no chance of the playoffs as the that year's ultimate World Series champion, the Baltimore Orioles, were running away with the division, so the young player got a lot of, a lot of playing time. However, that young Blue Jay franchise of run by... Bobby Cox, God help us, in the managerial seat, and Pat Gillick in the general manager spot, already had a young, speedy, although lighter-hitting shortstop in more of an Ozzie Guillen mode, that being Alfredo Griffin. So in 1984, Griffin and Fernandez split time somewhat evenly, and the Jays had a choice to make, so that offseason they traded Griffin to Oakland and turned the position over to Fernandez. The Blue Jays had an impressive run of their own from 1985 to 1990, somewhat mirroring in weird ways that of our beloved Mets, minus, of course, the world championship, or at least a world championship in the 80s. Uh, We'll 
discuss some of those similarities a little bit, but as you might guess for someone who has been referred to as Mr. Blue Jay, Fernandez quickly entrenched himself, playing between 146 and 163 games every year from 1985 to 1990. He was worth 3.9 war, according to baseball reference, or higher in each of those seasons, earned himself three all-star appearances, four straight gold gloves, and finished as high as eighth in the MVP voting in 1987. However, the Blue Jays never could quite get over the hump in the 80s in a competitive American League East. They did win the division in 1985, but lost the ALCS to the Royals. And in 1987, they got edged out late in the season by the Tigers down the stretch, pretty famously losing the last seven games of the season, the last three of those, to the Tigers, who swept the Blue Jays to take the division by one game. So, again, you know, much like the Mets were a great team throughout the 80s, the, the Jays were a really solid team. Uh, their worst record between 84 and 90 was 86 and 76, but they began to get that unfair, probably, reputation as chokers. So by the time they lost a third ALCS of the decade in 1989 and we followed it up with a second place finish in 1990 when they were heavily favored to win the division, the organization clearly thought it was time for a major shakeup. So the beloved Tony Fernandez was shipped out in a huge trade to San Diego. He and Fred McGriff went for Joe Carter and Roberto Alomar in the 1990 offseason. And if you're aware of your baseball history, you're likely aware that that trade would pay huge dividends for the Toronto Blue Jays to break their schneid as they won back-to-back championships in 1992 and 1993. But don't worry, Tony Fernandez would get back there in 1993 to celebrate one of those championships with his old teammates, thanks to uh, the Mets having to give up on the 1993 season very early as we'll get to. But uh, while his play dropped off a bit in 91 and 92, uh, Fernandez is still an above-average regular for the San Diego Padres in each of those two seasons. Unlike the Blue Jays, who of course were competitive in 91 and world champions in 1992, the Mets did not, sadly, keep up their quality play of 1984 to 1990, dropping below 500 in 1991 and 1992. But the franchise was really, as we've probably covered in other unformidables, because there are a lot of a lot of flotsam and jetsam in those 92, 93, 94 teams. The franchise is really unwilling to give up the ghost of trying to contend and kept trying to plug holes and pull in old veterans to uh, try to try to salvage the ghost of a dynastic run. Believe it or not, those Mets continued to act the part of a big market team, throwing around money, bringing in big names, and trying to patch their way back to contention. The one constant, or unfortunate near constant, is the poor management, but Unlike today's, unlike this era, Wilpon Mets, where money is an object, in 9293, it really was just choices. And one of those choices in the 1992 offseason was for the Mets to acquire a steady veteran shortstop by the name of Tony Fernandez. The Mets sent Raul Casanova, DJ Dozier, and Wally Whitehurst. 
unformidable candidates all, if you ask me, to the San Diego Padres to acquire Tony Fernandez, to add him to the underachieving veteran team that included Eddie Murray at first base, Bobby Bonilla in the outfield, and was also joined that offseason in another ill-fated desperation move to acquire big-name veterans with that offseason signing of Vince Coleman. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The 1993 team, of course, was not entirely unfairly labeled the worst team money could buy. And Fernandez, unfortunately, was a piece of that. Another older veteran brought onto a team that, frankly, probably had overstated promise to begin with when you look at the lineup. But still, you had a rotation of Doc Gooden and Brett Saberhagen and Sid Fernandez, Bobby Bonilla coming off an actual good season the previous year. You know, maybe it could, as as people do on opening day, you could talk yourself into this being a a team that could contend, right? Well, two games into the season, that idea sounded plausible. Opening day, the Mets won. Of course, I mean, the Mets always win on opening day, or so it seems. Doc Gooden opened the season with a four-hit shutout of the expansion Colorado Rockies, and Tony Fernandez drove in the first run of the Mets season, driving in Doc Gooden himself when Fernandez hit an RBI ground out. The Mets won on opening day 3 to nothing, and then game two of the season, Brett Saberhagen threw eight innings of two-hit ball. Tony Fernandez went one for two with three walks, two RBIs. The Mets won 6-1. to one. Fernandez actually had another solid game in the third game of the 1993 season with a two-run triple, tying the game at three, but the Mets lost, unfortunately, in extra innings when Anthony Young in the middle of his famous personal losing streak, gave up four runs in the top of the 10th inning, and the Mets lost 7-3 to to the Houston Astros. And there went both the peak of the Mets season and Tony Fernandez's fateful tenure with the team. And while I pride myself on having a, a rel- at least a relatively deep memory of Mets history, And while I attended opening day in 1993, as I have pretty much, I believe, every opening day of the last 30 years, except for the first game at Citi Field, because I couldn't afford that shit. But at any rate, I was there. But as anyone who was there for that year, I've more or less tried to expunge all memory of the 1993 season from my brain. So I don't have a deep recall 
of those games, but fortunately the internet does. And so Tony Fernandez in the, his first three games as a Met went two for nine with five walks and five RBIs. The New York Mets went two and one and proceeded to go 57 and 102 for the rest of the year. Struggling with nagging injuries during early 1993, Fernandez did not prosper with very few people on the Mets did that year, batting only 225 with one homer, 14 RBIs, six stolen bases, and his slash line of 225, 323 on base percentage, 295 slugging percentage, the ever impressive higher on base percentage than slugging percentage, good for a 618 OPS and a 69 OPS plus, was pretty much as brutal as it sounds. In early June, early June, the Mets found themselves 19 and 40, 23 and a half games behind the surprising division leading Philadelphia Phillies. 23 and a half games out in early June. I mean, I know we've all sat through some rough Mets seasons, but wow, I feel like this calls for some kind of Mike Francesa, you gotta be kidding me, rant, but. I'll leave that to the experts. I, I can't charge eight ninety nine for an app for this podcast yet. So the Mets were on the road to nowhere, and one of the first to go was Tony Fernandez, who they sent back to the Toronto Blue Jays on June 11th, acquiring Darren Jackson. And whether it was the bad, horrible mojo around the 93 Mets, coincidence, Fernandez not being happy being here. Who knows? But the first game after the trade, Tony Fernandez went two for four. Second game after the trade, he went three for six with a home run and five RBIs. Clearly, being back home in Toronto agreed with Tony Fernandez. The rest of the 93 season, like a switch flipped, he hit 306, 361 on base percentage, 442 slugging. 803 OPS, uh, 115 OPS plus, some of the best offensive numbers of his career to that point. And to top it all off, he went 7 for 21 with 9 RBIs in the 1993 World Series, helping the Blue Jays beat the Phillies in 6 games for their second consecutive World Championship. Nice story for Tony Fernandez, winning a ring with the organization he was such a big part of for so long and then had success in 1992 without him, or the ultimate success in 1992 without him. I'm sure there were some Met fans who uh, didn't see it so fondly in 1993, I'm, I'm just guessing. After 93, Fernandez entered a bit of a journeyman phase of his career. He signed as a free agent with the Reds to start the 94 season, and he had a typically good season to start, but struggled with injuries, played only 104 games. That following offseason, he signed with the Yankees, was their primary shortstop for 1995 for a team that, of course, got its first playoff berth for the franchise in 14 years. We had a quiet postseason as the team lost an epic ALDS to the Mariners. And the Yankees had a plan in 96 for Fernandez to mentor young Derek Jeter and eventually slide over to second base. But Fernandez broke his right elbow in spring training and... Jeter's ascendance came even quicker, much to the chagrin of most Met fans everywhere. The Yankees did give Fernandez a World Series ring, though he missed the whole season with injury. Obviously, there was 
no no room for him at the end uh, when Jeter didn't seem to need a mentor in his 96 season. So the following season, Fernandez caught on with the Cleveland Indians, where he played second, forming a formidable double play combination with Omar Vizquel, and was very instrumental in their 1997 run to the American League pennant. On a team with a loaded lineup, including Jim Tomey, Matt Williams, Matty Ramirez, the now second baseman hit a career-high 11 home runs and had some really memorable moments in the Indians' playoff run that year. After the Indians took out the defending champion Yankees in the ALDS, Fernandez batted 357 in the ALCS against Baltimore, and he picked an incredible time to hit his only postseason home run, I'm, I'm sure some of you Met fans out there know know what's coming now. He launched a pennant-clinching home run in the 11th inning off of most of you, you know this, right? Wait for it. Off of Armando Benitez, sending the Indians to the World Series. And Armando Benitez not coming through in a big moment. Go figure. And if that wasn't enough, hitting a home run to send a franchise to the World Series, Fernandez could have gone full Howie Kendrick and become a household name forever in Cleveland. He hit 471 with four RBIs in the World Series against the Marlins, and his two-run single in the third inning of Game 7 off of soon-to-be New York Met Al Leiter put the Indians ahead 2 to nothing, and the team would nurse that lead into the ninth inning, one inning away from the franchise's first championship since 1948, but of course those big three outs wouldn't come. The Marlins tied it in the bottom of the ninth, and instead of being the person who drove in the World Series winning run, a pretty crucial Fernandez error in the 11th inning to to start the 11th inning helped lead to the winning run for Florida as the Marlins won game seven to take the world championship away from long-suffering Cleveland. Tony just couldn't quit Toronto, signing there again for the 98 season, making his final all-star team at age 37 with them in 1999, then played a year in Japan and split his final big league season between Milwaukee and, you guessed it, Toronto. He finished where he started, hitting 305 over 48 games for the Blue Jays in 2001 and retiring as it was probably meant to be, not as a New York Met, but as a Toronto Blue Jay. In his youth, Tony Fernandez was a tall, thin, wiry switch hitter with speed, never a major power hitter. As I mentioned earlier, 11 home runs was a career high, but he was adept at slashing the ball around for extra base hits leading the league in triples with 17 in 1990. He was quite renowned for his glove work as a major leaguer, and it seems to be a case where the quote-unquote eye test and the metrics matched, as he was rated well above average via defensive metrics through to 2001 as a shortstop, and again with some time at second base. Despite some late career slippage in his numbers, as you might expect as he got older, he is 118th all-time in defensive war, according to baseball reference. But he was not a defense-only shortstop. He overall recorded 45.3 war, according to baseball reference. He had a career 288 average, 347 on base, 399 slugging, 
good for a 746 OPS and a you know pretty solid average 101 OPS plus for his career. His numbers as a Met were less forgiving, as less impressive, as mentioned earlier. Although he did record a 0.2 war thanks to some decent defense in his 48 games as a New York Met, but only 39 of his 2,276 career hits and only 6 of his 246 career stolen bases. He did have a he did walk 25 times and strike out only 19 as a Met, which is pretty much in keeping with his career where he had practically a one-to-one strikeout to walk rate. Um, overall, probably a kind of haul of very good career, if we forget the fact that Harold Baines just got in, really officially making it a haul of very good. And neither Harold Baines nor Tony Fernandez should be in the Hall of Fame before the much more deserving Keith Hernandez, but... Don't get me started. We only have a certain amount of time for this podcast, and I could fill all of that up by telling you why, in a totally unbiased way, why Keith Hernandez should be in the Hall of Fame. We're here to talk about Tony Fernandez, and his similarity scores on baseball reference were interesting. They're a mix of good players that are not quite in the Hall of Fame, and a couple who are, although some of them are older players who you could probably question uh, if they would make it in our modern era, but most similar players to him, according to baseball reference, some of them include Edgar Renteria, Dave Concepcion, Mark Gritzelanek, uh, along with Hall of Famers, Red Schoendeist, Billy Herman, and Alan Trammell. As mentioned before, he, he, he's, some people call him Mr. Blue Jay. He's Toronto's career leader in hits, triples, and games played. He was inducted into the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame in 2008. After he retired from baseball, Fernandez became an ordained minister and established the Tony Fernandez Foundation to assist underprivileged and troubled children. As you may have seen in the news a few weeks back, uh, Fernandez announced in 2017 he'd been diagnosed with polycystic kidney disease, and on February 16th, he passed away in Weston, Florida, following complications as a result of his kidney disease, leaving behind a fine baseball career and an excellent post-baseball legacy. Even if a surfeit of those took place in a Met uniform, we still salute the life and the career of Tony Fernandez. Thank you all for taking the time to listen to Unformidable. Please go to AmazonAvenue.com for more Mets-related content. Follow Amazon Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find this and all of our Amazing Pods wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and leave a review. It really helps us out. Original music by Bunga. I'm on Twitter at WolfRR, and the show is at Unformidable. Thank you, and let's go Mets.